It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yo, it is another edition of This Week in Fantasy as we head into week 10 of the NFL season. Uh, It is crazy how quickly it is going, so let's get into it. As always, I'd like to welcome in my guy, the co-owner over at FootballGuys.com. You can listen to him eight days a week. With Cecil Lammy on the Audible, literally eight days a week. And of course, follow him on Twitter at Sigmund Bloom. Mr. Sigmund Bloom, what is up, brother? Uh, we're getting there now. The countdown is on. This is about the time that I tilt and make a bunch of trades I regret in my dynasty leagues to try to win a championship and extra undermine myself. But the point is, you feel that sense of urgency going into week 10. And there's still some things in flux. I don't think that we can count on. Yeah, the the puzzle is still there to solve, uh, but I I do think that we're settling in, accepting our fates, and looking at a, a set of matchups. You know, we can see every week. I think James, there's a few games we circle that really tilt matchups. Last week it was Rams Saints. Uh, this week we may have it right off the bat on Thursday night with the Panthers and the Steelers. Yeah, it's a great point. This is a a big Thursday night game, and uh, like you said, it's just crazy. We, uh, you know, every team has played at least eight games now, so halfway or more through their season, and of course, significantly more than halfway through the fantasy season. So uh, it's it's not up or shut up time, Sigmund. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, Thursday nighter. We'll get to a sec. There are four teams on a bye this week, and of course, uh, as as usual, some fantasy relevant players on those teams as well. The Broncos, the Vikings, the Ravens, and the Texans. Hopefully, we can find. Uh, dig a little deep, as Sigmund likes to say, and find some uh, bye week fill-ins for you as well. So, like you mentioned, Sigmund, let's start off. Uh, you know, after the uh, we, we ended up being the Nick Mullins show, but certainly not a Thursday night game. People were excited for last week to one that uh, one of the best of the season heading in the Panthers, heading in to take on your Steelers potential for a lot of points in this one. I would think, Sigmund. Yeah, you don't want to say Super Bowl preview, but both of these teams can 
credibly picture themselves going to the Super Bowl. And uh, this is a game that should feature a lot of offense. Cam Newton and Norv Turner and that offense are really clicking now. Uh, obviously, Christian McCaffrey and Greg Olson showing no ill effects from his foot injury. And then you have your wild swings, like close your eyes and swing for the fences with Curtis Samuel and uh, DJ Moore, either of which can break long plays in any given week, which brings down the ceiling of Devin Funches. Funches is a safer play, but any one of these three could come through against the Steelers secondary. And I have a feeling an over-aggressive, this is where my neurotic Steelers fan comes to the surface. <laughs> well, it's an over-aggressive Steelers defense. Uh, it's a, a facing an offense that's pretty clever with a lot of pre-snap motion, a lot of things to make a defense almost distort itself, get itself out of position. And I think that's going to cause a lot of problems with the skill players they have for the Panthers. So play your Panthers. Yeah, I'm pumped for this one, Sigmund. Looking forward to it. A fun Thursday night game for us. And uh, as you said, a lot of fantasy relevance and certainly two teams that have been playing really good football lately. So a fun one. All right, Sigmund, let's get to the Sunday slate. As we said, four teams on by. Let's start off in the NFC North as two teams seemingly heading in two different directions. The Lions trading away Golden Tate, of course, coming off a... uh, a rough loss a couple weeks ago, and then uh, uh, not a great performance against the Vikings this past weekend heading in to take on a Chicago team that predictably handled Nathan Peterman yeah. and the Bills. What do you think of this one? And I just realized I went on my neurotic trip about the Steelers and forgot to mention the Steelers offense. Just one thing to look at is the outside. Oh, yeah, corner. that's yeah, a good that, point. The outside corner. Yeah, James Connor, Juju, right, right. Oh, Antonio, yeah. Bennett home. Maybe some guys you might want to consider. Well, of course, and I'll just say that last week the young cornerback duo, Dante Jackson and James Bradbury, did a fantastic job against uh, Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans, so maybe that makes and that made Adam Humphreys and O.J. Howard outstanding plays last week, so maybe that uh, makes Vance McDonald or Jesse James someone to throw in if you need to plug in a, a tight end this week. Detroit and Chicago, we really saw that Golden Tate, kind of the, the stopper in the bathtub and when he was removed from that offense, you see them right away go out and get Bruce Ellington. You know They need that element. Matthew Stafford couldn't finish drives. They couldn't get touchdowns. Uh, another unforced error, a turnover. This is not an offense you have a lot of confidence in right now. I don't have a lot of confidence in Karyon Johnson in this matchup. Kenny Galladay is you, – you see what you see is what you get with the boom-bust play. Khalil Mack might be back. And Marvin Jones, I think, is safe now that he's getting more targets and he's an outstanding player. But – as Minnesota's defense shut down Detroit, I would expect Chicago would do that in Soldier Field. But Chicago, now getting back Allen Robinson, getting back Adam Shaheen, maybe he's back on the practice field. I'm not sure if he's going to play. I just don't know who you trust from this offense. I like a lot of the players in this offense. I don't see Mitchell Trubisky as somebody that's going to necessarily get the most out of this offense in any given week You know, when he's not facing, say, Tampa Bay or Miami. So maybe Jordan Howard getting a short yard touchdown against a weak run defense. But otherwise... Uh, the cup runs over with targets and, and viable players. And we also saw last week when Chicago, if they can build a lead, and they're going to mothball the offense. So it's really tough to trust any of your Bears this week. Yeah, a, a good point, especially with a, uh, a Lions defense that's looked, uh, run defense at least, it looks better with Snacks Harrison in there outside of that long Dalvin Cook run there. Jordan Howard, are you at all buying the, the yeah, little well, bit of resurgence? He's getting the short yardage touchdowns. He What you see is what you get with him. Maybe a, a eight, a six to eight to sixteen point range. But if you like, so this is a classic. Like if you like the matchup for the team, if you think they're going to win, chances are he's going to get a goal line attempt or two. And I would say that applies this week. 
All right, Sigmund, you mentioned the games that can kind of make or break your week. I think this one certainly has a chance to be one of them as the, the team you mentioned from last week, the New Orleans Saints team that put up 45 points at home, heading on the road. So maybe a little bit less firepower as usual on the road, but against a Cincinnati team that has certainly showed it can flash a little offense as well. What do you think about this one? Yeah, the Saints, newly anointed king of the hill in the NFC, and sometimes the league can really confuse you week to week, and certainly the offense, which looked so spectacular last week, going outdoors on the road sometimes has been a problem, rested Bengals defense was a banged up defense going into the bye. But I, I think this could be a Mark Ingram game. The Bengals run defense has been very poor this year. And if the Saints can build a lead, we see that even though it's on the road, I think they can build a lead against the A.J. Green. This uh, pains my heart. Man, it pains my heart to say it's that. It's a AJ. bummer. It's not to get to watch him every week is sad. Uh, and th- But that's become the stopper in the bathtub. You know, we've seen in the past when A.J. Green is out, life gets a lot harder for Andy Dalton. You're still going to play Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd. He may get more targets, just not as quality targets. You know, more targets to C.J. Uzoma maybe. Andy Dalton not nearly as attractive here. The Saints defense is a solid defense, and they filled a lot of holes uh, even after they lost Mark and da- Mar- Marcus Davenport. Des Bryant... <laughs> You know, I'm not rushing out to get Des Bryant. Mm-hmm. And certainly if he's playing this weekend, I'm not rushing to put him in my lineup. I do think he could have some touchdowns become a red zone matchup problem considering the other players that they put out there. Uh, but I, I do think that I, I have Drew Brees around quarterback eight or quarterback 10, not necessarily a must play outdoors on the road, knowing this team is willing to run the ball when they get a lead. It's going to be really interesting seeing this Bengals offense without A.J. Green against a Saints defense that, like you said, is certainly talented but has shown some struggles at times this season. Obviously, the Rams put up – obviously, Rams get offense as well, but we're able to put up 35 on them. So I think that should be a really interesting one from uh, from an offensive perspective there. All right, Sigmund, moving on as a, an offense that – flashed this past week as they took care of a Washington defense and played pretty well. The Atlanta Falcons now all of a sudden four and four adding Bruce Irvin, heading in to face a Cleveland franchise that is going the other way, but a seemingly nice matchup for, for the Browns offense potentially. Could we see a, a sneaky shootout here? Maybe Atlanta's offense is on. They turned Steve Sarkeesian into a head coach candidate. With the world <laughs> living in. That's how quickly things change. From uh, game one of this season till now, no right, less. Because right. he, the narrative coming out of that Eagles game was Sarkeesian right. did it again. Oh, yeah. So it's funny how things change. Um, you're loving Matt what Ryan. What have you done for me lately is a is a real deal thing in the NFL. Yeah, like, short memories too, which can work in both. Uh, for and against you. So Matt Ryan, feel, you feel like you have to plug him in. Uh, Tevin Coleman with the way that... And then we, you, know, you also have Christian Kirksey and Joe Sherbert both out for the Browns. So that looks good for Tevin Coleman, who's being used the right way. Julio Jones finally scores. Calvin Ridley looking as fast as ever. So everything is coming up for this team, even on the road. And speaking of being used the right way, Freddie Kitchens. Everything's one degree of Bruce Arians. I'd love to see Bruce Arians back in the NFL. Please, Who Cleveland. wouldn't? John Dorsey, make it happen. Uh, and that'd be great for Baker Mayfield. But in the short term, Baker Mayfield's a good streamer this week. Uh, interest, David Joku's back in our circle. Trust now, again, rational usage, rational usage of Duke Johnson in the passing game. So now he's looking good as a PPR back. This is a good matchup, although Deion Jones might be back. Again, Atlanta saying, we're not dead. And uh, it's Cleveland, yeah, they're dead for this year. But you know, see what they can build on offense 
Jarvis Landry, a more of a modest upside here. You know, watch the development of Antonio Callaway. Uh, but you know, again, sometimes you also, I don't know about you, James, watching Sunday night thinking, why did they trade Josh Gordon for a fifth round pick again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, and it's funny because as usual, Sigmund, you're um, you know always on the ball with these as as the Patriots game is the next one we're going to get to in a second. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Josh Gordon who had his best game of the season, but I have no idea. It, it just seemed like I, I like especially because they put up with his bullshit for so long and so many things, and then you're in the season and he's allowed to play, and you're like, eh. Let's get rid of this guy. Uh, it made no sense to me. And, and New England is reaping the benefits segment. And then so New England. And then of all the yeah, teams. Yeah, of course. Of course. You, you just you had to, It could have gone, you know, sure, he could have gone there and flamed out. Or he could go there and get in line a little bit. And even still seems like he's having some issues uh, off the field. But, uh, you know, with the late to practice and doesn't get benched and all that. But um, it's certainly working out as we move on to that game. By the way, remiss not to just mention what a great, great, football name Freddie Kitchens is get out of my kitchens uh all right segment the Patriots an interesting game we'll talk about the Josh Gordon of it all but also an interesting game heading into face a solid Tennessee defense with a coach who certainly knows Belichick well what do you think about this one yeah all the connections you know Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler Malcolm Butler please don't leave Josh Gordon on Malcolm Butler on island that's gonna be bad for the for Tennessee uh and Gian Lewis um playoff rematch and it may not go that much differently than the playoff game because New England, you expect to see Sony Michelle back. Oh, uh, I, I don't even want to talk about Rob Gronkowski. It's a bummer segment. I don't. It's I mean, a bummer. I, I lied. It's so ha- I was just I thought it was, it was happening. Uh, it's not happening. <laughs> and we'll see if he plays. But look, even if he plays, I understand if you're benching him at this point. Uh, Julian Edelman say play Tom Brady, and then there's Josh Gordon. And look, if this was some sort of HBO drama. And we scripted in there that the the ultra talented but pain in the ass player on the long suffering team, as you said, that invests themselves decides that they're done with them, and it goes to the the evil empire, if you will, and then they get to use this as the the weapon. You know, it's like the the, the ring, the one to rule them all. <laughs> it's really two on the nose. T- Tennessee playing well. Last week against Dallas, I know your listeners had to love that, but who's Marcus Meyer going to throw to? Stephon Gilmore has been outstanding. I'd imagine he's going to be stuck to Corey Davis. Deion Lewis, like let Deion Lewis touch the ball 25 times in this game, but I I don't think Tennessee stands a chance in this one. Monday uh, night game, uh, another example of why Dallas sucks, and that is the uh, the best thing I can say. All right, Sigmund, a, a... uh, not a, a fun-looking game from the out of it, but certainly maybe a loser-leaves-town match here as the uh, Jags heading in to take on the Colts here, Sigmund. A reeling Jags team and, uh, again, an ugly matchup. Are we going to see the Jags defense back? Is Andrew Luck going to continue to produce? What do you think about this? Yeah, right. I, I, I like I'm riffing on this uh, cable drama thing, you know, because the, the Cowboys. Was, <laughs> well, that's the one. That's the channel. That's the one you turn the channel because it's just getting boring. Like, yeah, you know, the megalomaniac is going to continue yes. to ruin it, um, which is part of the the Cleveland story, too. Uh, but the Jacksonville, you know, this has been a team that has risen and fallen with, with its swagger and its quarterback. And, you know, like they fell back in love with Blake Bortles and Blake Bortles showed them 
who he was again. And well, here we are. So on the Jag side, I do think if you have Leonard Fournette, you play him. Uh, you mentioned that Dalvin Cook run. So you see what the fresh legs can do for running back at this time of the season. And that's why, by the way, you stash those backup running backs, Spencer Ware and Malcolm Brown. If you get a, a fresh running back off the bench right now, CJ Anderson, uh, they can be a league winner for you in these good situations. So Leonard Fournette's going to be back with his fresh legs. Otherwise, you're not trusting any part of this team. And really, Jacksonville needs their defense. And against, on the other hand, uh, Indianapolis, where it's all starting to come together. I mean, forget about the record in this division or in this conference, because really nine, 10 wins will get you in. We want Andrew Luck in that playoff bracket and looking at their schedule and looking at the way they're playing, the running games coming together. Uh, they've gotten more out of this defense than they should have. Matt Everplus, there's something that the Cowboys had that was good and they let him go. So, um, and it's the strange story where he was part of the Josh McDaniels hire and kept with Frank Reich. And maybe we're going to look back. Was, haven't they been passing around that thing that Doug Peterson was the seventh ranked out of seven hires and one of those post Mm -hmm. off-season articles well that's frank reich right like the afterthought see the connection you know oh yeah we let's put it this way we we have not had we have not not had we miss frank reich conversations in philadelphia yeah Yeah. so so but you see it's coming together for this team and i do think you know you like luck you like hilton mark marlon mack watch his practice status, but if he's okay, you're playing him. And if not, Naeem Hines, and he's another one of these backup running backs. Make sure he's rostered because if Mac goes down and the seal's already broken, this running game, this offensive line, Andrew Luck with an offensive line, who'd have thunk it? Uh, that, that would make this offense and this team so good. So I, I for one, after, after how Jacksonville treated the Steelers last year, I hope that uh, the Colts do make them leave town. <laughs> well, Mike, I'm with you. I I think I like the Colts in this one, the way the Jags have been playing. And like you said, the offensive line for Andrew Luck, what a weird phenomena. I didn't know that was a possibility. Sigmund, this next one, I don't know if there's much to say. I think we all know you're, you're starting your Chiefs, but uh, I think the real question is, by how many points can a team possibly win a game by? Because that's going to be in play as the Chiefs hosting the woeful Arizona Cardinals segment. Yeah. Um, watch Sammy Watkins in the foot. But that always sends shivers through you, Sammy Watkins' foot. So I'll watch Demarcus Robinson and Chris Conley just to see what the usage is and how these guys are playing. Because if there's something that opens up in this offense, um, any competent pass catcher is going to turn into value. Um, now on the Arizona side, Byron Leftwich. I'm happy to be thinking about and uh, talking about Byron Leftwich again. Speak of failed Jags chapters of the past, but we saw. A more rational offense and, uh, and the ghost of Bruce Arians. And as a Steelers fan, the ghost of Bruce Arians always can hover over our franchise. Uh, so you see, hey, David Johnson could be used even better than he was going into the bye. Larry Fitzgerald looking like the guy we thought we were getting when we drafted him in the fourth round. Keep him in your lineup against this matchup. Because the nice thing here is Josh Rosen's not going to back down. You know, Josh Rosen's not going to be one of those rookie quarterbacks who just plays it safe against a prevent defense if they fall behind 21 points. He's going to keep chopping. How many points was he down to UCLA and they won? Yeah, I mean, to uh, Texas. Oh, it was a ton. Yeah, yeah it was 38 a or 35 or 34, something like that. So the nice thing is if you have the Kansas City defense, you like that. You like the idea that he's just going to keep swinging out there. But you also like that, again, maybe even for someone like Christian Kirk, who had that game-winning touchdown uh, the bye. Yeah, maybe a uh, a Hail Mary tournament play in DFS for Chosen Rosen could be a fun one there. Uh, I love the Moxie segment. I'm with you there. Not oh, much, yeah. 
not Dad. much to work with, but uh, not much to work with. Certainly uh, the quarterback on the other side of the field, one you can trust a lot more at this moment in their careers. Sigmund, this next game, uh, I don't literally don't know if there's anything to say other than start the defenses maybe as uh, Nathan Peterman will take on Josh McCown in potentially the ugliest game of the year as the Bills and Jets play. And they're going to do it again in like three weeks. Um, I I look at this game just like I look at this game, James, just like the game between the Dolphins and the Jets last week and say, why again, the universe? These are the teams that the Patriots have to be better than to go to the playoffs every year. It's unbelievable. No wonder they're just like barely breaking a sweat by the time the playoffs come around. Uh, Well, and you're like the Dolphins barely scrape. I know they pulled away at the end, but. That game was 3 nothing, 3-3, 4-ever. It was yeah. a brutal that one of one of the worst football games you could possibly watch. Yeah, it's like watching the under 6 flag football game that my fiance's kid <laughs> is on basically. Look, I, hey, this game, I'm interested that Josh McCown is back. It's a tough matchup for Robbie Anderson against Tredavious White, but if Josh McCown's a quarterback for the rest of the season, and McCown's a decent let's talk about a Hail Mary throw. Um but you Quincy Nunwa back. Uh, that this you're gonna have an improvement in quarterback play for the Jets. Elijah McGuire becomes interesting. The Bills defense still, uh, I think, are, is not going to be a pushover. Um, and it's really just Bills quarterback. It could be Josh Allen. It could be Derek Anderson. Hopefully, it's not Nathan Peterman again. Hey, folks, take a snapshot. Tell your kids about it. You got to watch one of the worst quarterbacks in NFL history play with Nathan Peterman the last few weeks. The worst segment. <laughs> The word bold, unbelievable is what it is. It's unbelievable that a team has allowed that guy. The the my favorite Nathan Peterman nugget from after his most recent game was uh, that with the three interceptions he threw, he actually improved his career interception percentage. So that was something else, Sigmund. That it's, was something else. It was something that went from like eleven percent to nine percent with the three interceptions. It's like oh my god. It's, it, it is unreal. It's the, it's the it's the duality of opposites though, because we have Nathan Peterman, and then later on we'll talk about Nick Mullins. It's a great point, and I'm excited to talk about Nick Mullins because that was uh, one of the more unexpected performances in recent NFL memory for me, at least. All right, one more one o'clock game to get to here, Sigmund. It's an interesting one from a couple perspectives. In that Washington heading in to take on a Tampa Bay team that should be about as good a matchup for anyone as you can find, but. A Washington team that's coming in after losing both of their starting guards and a starting wide receiver, Paul Richardson, and of course, Scherf and Laval go down as their guards. I don't know what to make of this one. And then Fitzpatrick, they lose, but he does put up another nice fantasy day storming back. Um, This is a tough read for me, Sigmund. What do you think about this game? It is. I mean, he had to pick a waiver wire quarterback this week. Alex Smith's not bad because of the matchup, but who exactly was he going to throw to? Actually, the the connection between him and Vernon Davis, the trust is still there. He's an interesting tight end to pick up and play. I would, Davis on my head rank ahead of Jordan Reed at this point. Maurice Harris was, was great. Uh, he's potentially going to be very productive again in this one. Tampa Bay secondary is a weak one. But as you mentioned, this is the second year in a row where, uh, you know, you see a light go on on the dashboard and the next thing you know, there's smoke coming out of the hood and the next thing you know, the car's on fire. It's Washington <laughs> offense. I mean, the exact same thing happened. I'm mean, at the exact same time of year. And now we can look back and say, well, Kirk Cousins has been really excellent behind a terrible offensive line in Minnesota at creating under pressure. And he does have those receivers, but what was Kirk Cousins really masking last year? It was that offensive line fell apart. Um, this year, 
it's just it's in shambles. So it could be even against Tampa. This is one of those things like we watched Nick Mullins against Oakland. What's going to win out? Well, Oakland's defense is just that bad. We watched uh, uh, Sam Donald against a bad Miami defense. What's going well? Sam Donald's just that bad. What's the just that bad in this one? Tampa Bay's defense or Washington's backup offensive line on the Tampa side? You said it. Ryan Fitzpatrick just putting up those numbers and Washington's defense that looked like a good defense going into last week. Now we're wondering about them. You're just wondering about the morale of this team. I'll keep uh, rhapsodizing about this for the Eagles fans. I know you have to love the misery of Washington and the Giants and the Cowboys right now because uh, the profit from that misery, uh, of course, we're going to watch Mike Evans. He's a little banged up. Uh, tough matchup with James Bradbury. Again, can't wait to see him match up, I would imagine, with Antonio Brown on Thursday night. But uh, also, Adam Humphreys. Is this just a one-week thing? Was it just because those Panthers corners made it, uh, the smarter move to throw to the middle of the field? We saw Fitzpatrick have a rough first half and a better second half. Uh, or is there a real connection there? There's a real connection with O.J. Howard. Chris Godwin, it's a little bit tougher call. Deshaun Jackson's a little bit tougher call here, but everything worked. You go back and look at last week. Tevin Coleman was a good play. Ito Smith was a good play. Julio Jones finally scored. Calvin Ridley was a good play. Even Mohamed Sanu and uh, Austin Hooper had at least 40 receiving yards. So you're inclined to play your Tampa players this week. All right, few few quick thoughts on what you had to say there. First and foremost, great use of rhapsodizing. That was... That was strong. You're not going to get that on any. Well, other and just like fish, it's a rhapsody about pain. Yes, well done. Very, very well We're, done. We like to combine it, it, our favorite, our mutual favorite band. It's always like this sad song sounds happy. Like that. That. That's really where we're at when it talk, talk about. I mean, at this point, Eagles just just keep showing up for each game, and you're going to win the division. It's a great. It's a great analogy, and I, I'm with you. I felt very confident. There are some Eagles fans who are still. You know, oh, they're not in first, but uh, I'm with you when you see what's going on around, especially now in Washington. Uh, other thing, though, I have one quibble with what you said. You know, it's the just that bad thing. I think it's a great thought, except uh, one part was wrong. It's just that Nick Mullins is just that good. Oh, so, yeah, I know. That's what it's it just, is. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can't wait to get to him on Monday night. All right, let's let's uh, let's get to this 4 o'clock slate segment. We got three 4 o'clock and beyond games. Starting with uh, what you would think would be a uh, uh, another easy win for the Los Angeles Chargers, you would think, as they head in to take on a Oakland team that, as you just mentioned, got Nick Mullins on last uh, last Thursday night. What do you think about yeah, this one? Is, is it just that easy? Yeah, put him. He'll get there. Segment. He'll it get just, there. Yeah, is it, it just that easy? I mean, it is. Melvin Gordon is healthy. We're happy about that. Philip Rivers, you know, that's a layup game for him. Tyrell Williams, if you're looking for another wide receiver, has been hot and this is a game that should be easy for him to score. You just need him to score before they go up by like 28. Um, even Austin Eckler, as you expect a game in the second half, uh, you know, Oakland is DOA right now as a team. And Jalen Richard, it's that play where you think Oakland's have a bad game. Then Jalen Richard's going to catch passes. It's about the best thing that we could say about the Oakland offense. And well, John Gruden is really going to get a chance to tear this thing down to nothing because uh, as, as he fiddles, Rome burns, Oakland burns. Who wouldn't want to let John Gruden rebuild their team, Sigmund? I mean, come on. Yeah. He's been so good. Hey, he uh, has a lot of draft picks to take a lot of his guys like Colton Miller. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's, it's going to be great, man. He's bringing football back to the 90s. It's going to be great. Uh, all right, Sigmund. Uh, this one, uh, another weird one here is it is uh, two teams that, like you said before, you mentioned Miami, as, and, and we talked about it last week, is like, the AFC's team that beats the the lesser AFC's teams, but also 
isn't really inspiring or good at any point, certainly with Brock at quarterback, but they're heading in to face a, a Packers team that hasn't looked that great either. No, what do you no. think about this one? I, I'm not trusting anything in Miami's offense. Kenyon Drake, you're like, oh, I just whenever. Just when I'm, you're there, man. It, it's just like. The, it's Adam the, Gase. It's still Adam Gase. It's Gase, you know? Adam Adam Gase, man. How can you say we didn't? We wanted to give him more touches, but we didn't because it's the game. Whenever you're ahead, but that's Adam Gase. So it's the Miami defense is terrible. And look, Green Bay say what we will about them. At home, they're usually good. And the defense this is a good defense to pick up off of the waiver wire play against Brock Osweiler. They've had good games at home this year. Uh, you have Aaron Rodgers to Marquez Valdez Scantling now with Geronimo Allison out. Aaron Jones looks like a tremendous play this week. Well, winning game script, hopefully rack up some carries for him. You watch Jimmy Graham, make sure that he's doing okay, but otherwise this matchup looks good for him against this Miami linebackers. Kiko Alonso, the most likely defensive player that you will see the back of their jersey as they run down the field remembering that they should have been covering somebody. That's Kiko Alonso. That's, <laughs> that's Kiko! 47. Uh, yeah, no, we remember Kiko in Philly. He had one <laughs> Ill, ill-fated year here, two years, whatever it was. He was a... Uh, not loved, I'll say, segment <laughs> here in uh, here in Philadelphia. Kiko, but, um, do we love you? No, we do not, Kiko. We're not fans of you, buddy. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, good stuff there, segment. Plus, uh, uh, we can never not mention Equiminius St. Brown, one of the great names in football as well. All right, segment. The uh, the last of the four got games, at least a a interesting one, a season on the line. I would say for the Seahawks as they hit in to take a uh, no longer undefeated Rams team and circling back just to, to reiterate what Sigmund said before. I actually do listen when you talk, but um, the ah. backup running backs point, I think Malcolm Brown, a really nice type of guy to, if you have the space on your bench, not just for injury or whatever, but if the Rams can wrap things up early, if it's, you know, and look, the Saints winning kind of might put a bit of a hiccup in that, but Malcolm Brown's a good football player and you saw it on that touchdown he had. He's he's talented and that's the type of guy I think you can maybe get a an edge come playoff time when um you know something happens and those guys become valuable. But uh Sigmund the Seahawks taking on the Rams, what do you think about it? This one's fun. Um, it, it role reversal, right? Because it was Seattle atop this division and the Rams, even during the Jeff Fisher years, always playing this team tough regardless of the records. And we saw the Rams go up to Seattle. And I think that was a game when Seattle kind of grew, uh, even though they didn't win playing the Rams straight up. And the running game was a big part of that, but I don't know if Chris Carson's going to be ready. Mike Davis, of course, becomes a more interesting play. Hold on to Rashad Penny because this is a good situation for running back. And, Already we've seen Mike Davis have trouble staying healthy during his pro career. Uh, of course, Russell Wilson. Man, you watch Seattle and you just think, Brian Schottenheimer, please. Last week, I, I had two axes to grind in terms of offensive football. One is Mike McCarthy every week. Every week. Look what, oh, what Aaron Rodgers could be with a different coach. But you watch the Russell Wilson Seattle Seahawks offense now when they needed to have a more attack aggressive mode they just don't have it under Brian Schottenheimer and they have players they should be able to do it with Tyre Lockett Jerron Brown David Moore of course Doug Baldwin it just isn't happening they're going to need that attack mode in this game so I want to say play Russell Wilson you know I want to say play Tyler Lockett he can get behind Marcus Peters whoever whoever Marcus Peters is going to be on that's who you want to play oh play Doug Baldwin but I was so frustrated watching this offense nothing frustrating about watching the Rams offense it's it's beautiful. It's it's musical. The the way everything fits together, how easy they make it look. Play all three of the receivers, uh, and of course play 
Todd Gurley. And just that biggest question for me is whether Seattle, just Russell Wilson, a la Aaron Rodgers, just go off script and make it happen because it's going to take some sort of Herculean effort by him to keep them in this game. But I think he's up to it if Brian Schottenheimer gets out of the way. Yeah, this Rams offense is something else, man. Like you said, they make it look so easy. It is a... is fun to watch unless they're playing your team. All right, Sigmund, uh, speaking of my team, as uh, Sunday night football, the Dallas Cowboys come to town. And uh, as much as we hate the Giants and hate Washington, we hate no one like we hate the Dallas Cowboys. They are the worst. Dallas sucks. They suck. They fucking suck, Sigmund. What do you think about this game? No, look, you're talking to a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Yes, you get it. You get it. And in the Cowboys-Steelers Super Bowls, uh, they couldn't have stood for more different things, the Cowboys and the Steelers. And my sister wanted to break Bell, so she told everybody uh, she's a Cowboys fan. I, that's it. Uh, so I, I, I know what the Cowboys symbolize. And this is where Eagles fans, you may become a victim of the bloom overconfidence, blooming the Eagles here. But just looking at the trends coming into this one, uh, the Eagles, you have a, a bye week. You have an ailing defense that gets, I, I think, healthier up front. Uh, you have a chance to double back and, and hopefully fix some of the things in the secondary or, or shore uh, the tide that, that sometimes, you know, if there's a weakness. Uh, and then on the offensive side, you're going to get Darren Sproles back, which is just an element to sprinkle into the backfield that I think stabilizes this offense. You're getting Golden Tate. And you can set up a situation a la the Rams, a la Kansas City, where what defense has the personnel to match up with Golden Tate, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and Alshon Jeffrey? How can you go? Who has the array of players to match up with them with a quarterback who can bring this this offense to life, an offensive mind? Everything is lining up for this team now and i think that i don't look i don't know if golden tate's going to be a fantasy factor right out of the gate i'm going to be interested to see how much he takes away from zacherts because they both make their living in the middle of the field now you have i think potentially five four running backs it's the eagles so you know that there's not gonna be a running back four, yeah so but who knows which one but on the dallas side you know they lose sean lee uh they lose a big monday night game against a team that they should be able to handle and look i know that tennessee took uh, Philly to overtime and beat them but you know that's not the same thing as Tennessee winning going away basically and okay Dak Prescott has Amari Cooper but I still think that this is a limited team offensively they lost Connor Williams uh, who has been a a pretty nice surprise as a rookie but I think you're going to see the gap between these two teams on Sunday night I never realized as I was sitting there thinking and you use Bloom uh, I yeah. didn't think about the fact that your last name is also a, a, a noun or a verb or whatever yeah. it would be. Because mm-hmm. I'm Seltzer and I never put that together. Yeah. How about that, Sigmund? The we fizz. Both have, I, I, it works yeah. too. You know, you should incorporate that more into your brand. Like you're the, you're the, I should. The fizz or the life, you know, it's the bubbles, the little tiny the bubbles. bubbles. Time. I, uh, uh, I had a, uh, I had a uh, economics teacher. He yeah. used to call me Bubbles. Ah! Yes, yes. So... Uh, it's a good call. It's a good call. All right. Uh, it's just funny. I never ever thought about it till now. Um, anyway, uh, my, my my stupidity there. All right, Sigmund. Uh, Monday Nighter, we mentioned him before. Hall of Famer Nick Mullins. Uh, the New York Giants heading to San Francisco. Certainly not a game that the NFL will care about when it's all said and done, but some fantasy, uh, some fantasy players in this as well. What do you think about it? Well... I mean, these are two teams going nowhere. This is another one of those draft position bowls. But uh, Nick Mullins, a, a streamer, but a two quarterback super flex 
potential there. Matt Breida's just I hate seeing Raheem Mostert go down, but it opens up opportunity for Matt Breida. He got a mini buy. He'll get a full buy next week. So he could be an interesting guy at the helm of a Kyle Shanahan running game. Uh, George Kittle, love watching that guy play. Uh, maybe, you know, just watch to see if there's some value generation going on with Pierre Garcon after he had a decent game on the giant side. We're just on Kyle Laletta watch at this point. You're still playing Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham, probably Evan Ingram just to see what happens. But you know that, uh, you know, this is where we resume our gripe of thinking whether it's Pat Shermer, that one of someone from that, the the Philly staff that's not exactly going on. So you think about that tree, uh, not necessarily bearing fruit, uh, right now for the Giants and some of it's because of the quarterback so you're you're happy with what you're getting from Barkley and Beckham in fantasy Sterling Shepard becomes a little tougher play uh, just because you know that it could be better should be better but if there's one solace for the Giants right now it's that Sam Darnold has a I'm making air quotes right now injury <laughs> and he's on and he's, right, and he's right. On the it was like oh He's gonna like set the rookie interception record. Oh, let's 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 give him a break. Um, yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, follow me on Twitter at SigmundBloomFootballGuys.com, and of course, the Audible on whatever podcast device you use or how you get your podcast. All right, Sigmund, uh, it is time to go inside the mind of Sigmund Bloom. My favorite segment of the week, and uh, uh, in in true inside the mind of Sigmund Bloom fashion. Uh, this is like four questions. Two are related to each other and aren't even questions. And the other two are just nothing to do with each other and just all over the place. And one open, one's open-ended and one specific. So it's pretty standard for Inside the Mind of Sigmund Bloom. So let's dive into it. All right, question number one. Uh, last year, uh, when we spoke after Election Day or right around Election Day, I asked you if, the, if one person sports um, who could be president and you, of course, had the correct answer of Greg Popovich, which was a very smart thing to say, and and I agree with it. Um, I'm going to widen it out this year. We're going to not say in uh, in sports, you have any American who is not already a politician, and you can make them president of the United States. Who is it? Okay, I'm going to... Okay, so I'm going to... I mean, if there's somebody like I could handpick to be president, uh, I mean, that's to be perfectly honest, that's probably not good for any of us. All right. This is the story of how I, how everybody regrets putting me in charge. So I'm going to so do I'm it gonna, for like the, the masses. If you were choosing for yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So, the no. social good. So, and, and also, and I'm going to take this another turn and I'm going to just basically say like As somebody always. Somebody that I think that would be a, a good president or in some ways take the country in, in, closer to the direction that I, I would choose and somebody that I actually think can win a general election. OK, so I'm going to change the goalposts. Ooh, for you. I like that. Here it is. LeBron James. Oh, man. Wow. Wow. On many levels. He can do it. If LeBron yeah. James was running for president, he would win. Wow. Wow. I don't know if he would. I'm, uh, that's a really interesting, look, I think that the one thing with LeBron that we don't do nearly enough is give that dude credit for being famous since he was what, like 10 years old or yeah. 12 years old. And always and living up and, and then surpassing. Always. He, he's never done anything wrong. All he does is good things. The only thing he's ever done wrong was he did made a stupid, pardon the pun, decision yeah. to put something on TV. And even that he raised a bunch of money for charity. It's like, 
Uh, it's a really interesting call. Segment. And he knows. I, I, my question is if he could win the general election. But again, like, look, uh, a guy who we all thought never could win a general election won a general election. Exactly. In this post-Trump age of changing the boundaries of who we can consider, like the mega celebrities, because he already knows how to handle the, the glare, the adoration, the flash bulbs, the derision, all of it. He, he's been doing it, like you said, since he was a kid. So, LeBron, if you're out there, you know, I, I'm willing to join on the staff. LeBron 2020. All right. Uh, I like that one. Now, uh, t- as you make a hard left turn, we're going to make a hard right turn here as this is as uh, a completely different type of question and incredibly open-ended, but that's what we do here. So, what makes you happy, Sigmund? Oh, man. <laughs> that's a good one. No, that's a good one. You know... It's an interesting question because it's the kind of question that you almost start to get back to happiness and a definition of happiness. Um, I I guess on an immediate kind of level, on a a selfish level, it's just when my mind is occupied with something, you know, Mm -hmm. just – when whenever my mind has like the kitten with the ball of yarn you know just that the, there's something that my <laughs> mind is, is playing with and it makes me forget myself and i guess that's a better larger answer right so this is where i go off on some sort of sermon about this idea that the boundary between you and me or this and that and i can never remember who i've made this speech to but it, it's an illusion and when we do things that dissolve that boundary between us and the stuff in the world which is for all we know a construct of our mind that's when we feel good whether it's dissolving into another person into an activity into a place into music it it just when you forget yourself i think that's where happiness lies uh but i also want to quote um Iggy Pop, you know, from I, I'm bringing up Anthony Bourdain again, but he was on Bourdain's show, and Bourdain asked him this question, like, "What thrills you?" Get um, out of here! Yeah, he nice. said, what, "What?" He's like, "After everything you've been part of, what thrills you?" And Iggy Pop, and if you've seen Iggy Pop as an actor, like in um, Dead Man, you know, he you know there's like a real sweetness to him, and it, it came out, and it's which is amazing when you consider what he represents, you know, and he said, I, "To love and and." and appreciate to, to be loved and appreciate the people that love me. It's a good answer right there. Segment. Yeah. That was a, a strong answer. Yeah, thank All you. right. Another hard left turn. Uh, we're going back the other way. Um, so now these are not even questions per se, yeah. but uh, one of the things I enjoy about inside the mind of Sigmund Bloom is that we got a lot of recommendations out of you, you, know, oh, you cool. kind yeah. of, and the way we go with it. Right. And uh, I am now like 800 something pages into the stand uh, oh, loving yeah. it, Good. loving it. So, I mean, many things we've talked about. So I'm going to give you free reign here. Um, and there are going to be two recommendations questions, but the first one we will just say, um, if you could recommend anything and it can be, you know, a media thing, you know, some uh, music or this, or whatever you want, just recommend something for people that, uh, that you think will, people will enjoy. Oh man. Wow. Wow. I, I mean, for a long time, I probably would have, started some sort of um proselytizing to the wire at this point you know mm-hmm. uh, uh it almost feels the wire feels dated now uh, going back and reviewing it i think there's some things that i feel like i should update it 
Man, I mean, you know what? The first, I'll just go with the first thing that popped into my head, and it's, it's a local and kind of trite thing. Everybody thinks about barbecue down here in Texas, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and don't get me wrong, and there, and and folks, any even any kind of food guide. I'm actually going to be um, moving to New Orleans. Speaking of food, but Austin, yeah, Austin, buddy, yeah, right. I I can't. I, that, that this is whenever whenever you're going to see me look like Paul Prudhomme and uh, a bit you know, <laughs> getting my, my midnight po' boys everywhere. Uh, oh, but I'm going to yeah. recommend not the barbecue, but the Mexican breakfast down here. Ooh, and Mexican breakfast. It, it let me tell you, James. When I moved down to Austin and I started having breakfast tacos m- most of the time every day, I wanted to become Johnny Appleseed. I actually wanted to open up. A, <laughs> I actually wanted to open up a breakfast taco stand in um, Amsterdam. That was one of my grand ideas. I even went as far as getting the, like a, a book about um, moving to the Netherlands and like wow. the customs to the Netherlands because I thought the world needs breakfast tacos. And if you haven't had spicy food for breakfast, um, you feel like what it can do for your constitution. But it just it just makes so much sense. So uh, Mexican breakfast, you know, your bacon, egg, potato, cheese breakfast taco, or your huevos rancheros, or migas, or what, you know, there's so many different ways you do it. But having that kind of food in the morning, mm, it's truly comfort food. I have, may have never agreed with anything you've ever said more, Sigmund. Uh, huevos rancheros is probably my favorite breakfast thing that I can have. Um, one in a million I went to when I was down in Austin. Yeah, I live right over the That's the place. That's the It gym. was amazing. That's one in a million. One. It was one, one. I've been, I've been Austin twice and I went back to it yeah. the second time and I made everyone at my brother's badge party go there because it was so awesome. Look, I live right around the corner from it. And when we, that is moved, awesome. When we rented this house, I said, it's like a dream come true to live in the neighborhood of one in a million. Yeah. It's, it's, that's awesome. Like, did you get to shake hands with Juan? I did. Juan was the best. Is he's he like the best. He's the best. He's like the nicest ever. guy. He's like super happy to have you there. He's like not bullshitting with you. It's, no, I mean, he really has this endless way well of joy for being Juan and Juan in a million and just seeing yeah. everybody at his restaurant. And he gives the best. And I'm I I, I don't want to. I may overuse superlatives, but look, it's the best handshake. It's, the it's a best. great handshake. It's a legit handshake. Yeah, and it's for everybody because you're there at his restaurant and he he's overjoyed to have you. You feel like it's something special or something sacred. The Mexican restaurant in heaven is one in a million. I'm so with you. If you're in Austin, if you're listening or you're anywhere near there and you haven't been to one in a million or you're going to Austin, certainly worth it. All right, Sigmund, uh, great answer, obviously. There, last question. Um recommendation as i said it'll be another recommendation but this one and again i'm sure with the caveat that you will make with you know um you know the way you think might be different than other people or whatever but if you could make a life recommendation for people you know something along the lines of uh be nice to people or whatever uh what would you say it's and i really have to be careful here you know i the way i present myself is one thing and it's nice to have this persona through this football world that we're in but i'm a mess you know like underneath what they say underneath the surface the duck you know the paddling (laughs) yeah yeah so it's very difficult for me right now to not end up in on some path my show is called on the couch so they want to do myself where i'm going to put myself on the couch and i'm going to start crying or i'm going to get lost i'm going to forget that we're recording this right now i'm going to forget there are other people listening to us (laughs) because all the advice i want to give is just advice you asked me a while back like advice that i would give myself you know yeah i remember scared and things like that and and the 
the, um, the just torrent of thoughts that come into my head when you say like, what is a life recommendation for people, like how to live? Um, it's so much, and it would just really end up being like things I wish. It, it would be very thinly veiled, like what I wish I had, <laughs> or the way that I wish I had lived. Don't make the mistakes I made, right? So I'm not going to do that. Okay. Although that in and of itself could be an interesting place to revisit. Yeah, I'm gonna, good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, my my late mother and still now just turned 82 yesterday. Year old father. I'm gonna give the wow. two pieces of advice that they gave me that I've carried with me. Even though I haven't always been able to live true to them, they resonated with me and they've they they've helped me different times in my life. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this so the, number one, my mom said, don't try to be anything uh that to to make people think something about you they can see who you really are you know so just basically be out in the world be yourself and be yourself and like and life will sort itself out and trying to be something for somebody um is is it just and it kind of relates to the advice that my dad uh gave me which very simply was um make choices for yourself because you're the one that has to live with them yep and, um, and I, and I say this to somebody that it's so easy to say these things. And in the moments that life challenge you, totally, it's not, totally. and it's always work and it's always something you revisit. Um, so, but the, these things have stuck with me. And I think, I think definitely when you see people that are happy, truly happy, they don't spend a lot of time worrying about what other people think. And it isn't that it's not important to be considerate and care about other people, but that can't be something that, um, and this is where I, I take the turn, left turn, right turn back in. What I said I wasn't going to do. <laughs> so I should just stop right here. But I, I do think that um, it's it's something that you know, living for yourself and, um, and 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 not really seeing that view of yourself from outside of yourself. Um, it's it, it circles back around saying what makes you happy. You know, it's where that point where you dissolve into the world because you're just being yourself and you're not aware of yourself. It's it's great advice. It really is, especially like in the business we're in. Sometimes you'll get people who just don't like you or just whatever, and like you really have to find a way in in all things to to be happy with who you are and what you do. And to not allow opinions of other people who don't know you or don't care about you or whatever, um, or who aren't you, um, you know, influence you in that way. I think it's a, it's perfect advice. And it's fine too. Cause I feel that I, I always feel like I'm like, I'm really good at giving advice. I feel like I'm spot on, but then when I, it's me, I, I don't make the same decisions that I would advise myself to make. So I feel you on that. As always, um, a blast going inside your mind. Sigmund, thank you so much. Oh, always a pleasure. And uh, thank you for always letting me reveal more of myself than I probably should. (laughs) It's it's definitely our pleasure. It is a true pleasure indeed every week to have you on with us, Sigmund. We uh, we really appreciate it. What a fun episode that was. So uh, everyone, we will be back next week. Until then, hit us up on Twitter if you have any lineup questions or anything of the like at James Seltzer at Sigmund Bloom. Good luck in your Week 10 matchups as uh, as we get down to the end here. It's starting to get close playoffs coming up and all that, and we will be there for you all the way through. So, again, thank you for listening to a Week 10 edition of This Week in Fantasy. And as always, go Birds!